0: Everyone, to and, Isquio, and we're here on, I guess we're not on location today. We're actually in our original studio <laughs> space today. We've been on location for the last couple interviews with some very special guests, but we're here today with another special guest. I'm Kayla. I'm Tanya.
1: I'm Sheila. And I'm Gabrielle.
0: And we're here. <laughs> and we are three... Four, four strong b no, three strong b women, <laughs> four of us today in the house, and we're going to be talking about illustrating in books, and it's going to be
2: something new, so I'm super excited about it. First of all, Gabrielle, thank you and welcome. Yeah. And spoiler alert, your name is Gabrielle. So if you want to her, it's <laughs> her spoiler, <name>. spoiler alert, <laughs> I'm going to learn how to edit that out. <laughs>
3: or
0: not. No, no, not. I don't know. <laughs> so
2: do, you, do you want to tell our <laughs> listeners who you are? Damn it. I thought you were going with like
0: a Gabrielle Dumont thing for a second. No. And I was like, are we connecting it that way? <laughs> <like>? Damn it. <laughs>
1: go ahead so i am gabrielle (laughs) as was previously mentioned Um, so i'm originally from winnipeg manitoba from the red river region my family is metis on my dad's side i actually think that me and tonya Maybe related, because we do share the last name Ducharme.
3: I definitely <laughs> okay. think that we're related, Gabrielle. <laughs> We've had this
1: conversation many <laughs> times before. So on my mom's side, uh, she's Nordic. She's actually from Humboldt, Saskatchewan. So I moved to Edmonton about 10 years ago. And I did my undergrad at the U of A in Native Studies and Political Science. And then I actually followed in Kayla's footsteps and did the Indigenous Internship in the MLIS program. Cool. How did we first meet, though?
0: Other oh, than Native Studies, yeah. this is a big... A big thing.
1: Yeah <laughs> so we first met in Frank Tuff's NS290 class um, which is research methodology. It was a really intense course and we were in a group together and we ended up working at the Métis Archival Project doing archival research for Métis communities with Frank Tuff and then yeah we kind of just stayed on each other's paths for a few years. Yeah I
0: think that's something
3: about the map lab it breeds either lawyers or
0: like information
1: professionals. Yeah. <laughs> Can you
3: talk a bit about what the map lab is?
1: Yeah, so the Métis Archival Project is associated with the Faculty of Native Studies and it houses a bunch of archival records related to Métis land hunting and fishing claims. And we try and research and condense them into legal reports to help clarify land hunting and fishing rights for Métis communities. So we work with like a lot of census, a lot of Hudson's Bay Company journals, RG18, Northwest Mounted Police. We actually went to Hudson's Bay Company together, me and Kayla, to go photograph Hudson's Bay Company journals that actually aren't available online and then use them in reports.
0: Yeah, so we did Fort Chippewan journals and mm-hmm. some other more like northern Alberta places that just aren't accessible online or if they are it's on really crappy like, yeah. digitized microfilm, so it's almost illegible when you need small details so we go up, we went up to places and to archives and digitized everything that took photos in color and then had it for our own lab purposes.
1: Yeah, and then, oh yeah, one other big thing about Métis Archival Project is they were the first place to actually use script records in a lot of legal cases. So Frank and the research team actually digitized 35,000 Métis mm-hmm. script records that are now available online and are probably have gotten a lot of people their status. Mm. Whoa. Mm-hmm. That's intense. Hey, that's a big number when you think about it. You're like, yeah.
3: holy crap, that's countless hours and <laughs> yeah. countless oh, yeah. dollars worth like, of them, yeah. effort. I think the math lab's been running for like 16 or 17 yeah. years,
0: something like that, and has employed over like 150 U of A students.
2: Yes. Wow.
0: There's been a lot that have gone through there. So, a lot. yeah. <laughs> But it's kind of one of these weird little research centers that probably doesn't get acknowledgement that it should get, or Frank doesn't get the acknowledgement that he should. I've nominated him for multiple (laughs) teaching awards, and then every time he figures out that I nominated him, he gives me this look. He's irritated by it or something.
3: (laughs) 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 How dare you, Kayla?
0: (laughs) How dare you acknowledge my support of... Undergraduate research and
3: archives. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Man. So I'm thinking about our listeners, and I am i might be wrong in assuming this, but not everyone might know what Métis script is. Oh. Can you talk a little bit about
1: that, how you would define it? Yeah, sure. So, oh, this relates so much to my presentation that I just did. So <laughs> there you go. Pull it out. So Métis script was given to person of Métis descent to extinguish their Aboriginal rights, so persons would either get money script or land script. And then once they got these documents, it kind of extinguished their title to the land. But a lot of it was very fraudulent.
0: So I think now it's just used as a way of proving your lineage or in some cases because there's so much detail put into script records, you can pull a lot of genealogy out of it. But also you can take script records and then compile demographic information as well based on geographic locale. So you can see how many script records, how many people were born, died, mm-hmm. got married, were living in Isle of Cross or like Edmonton at the time of the commission and you can be like well Edmonton had like a thousand Métis people or something along those lines mm-hmm. at this point so it was a hub or mm. you know there was nobody living there so that's kind of one thing they're super fascinating I love them yeah you get lost in like looking at <laughs> databases mm-hmm. especially if you are Métis like that was always my biggest thing at the lab mm-hmm. was starting to go down this your trail tree. yeah your own family history yeah. and digging yourself into this like I don't know, like, research rabbit
1: hole. Yeah. Yeah. They're super useful. Sometimes you get off-key comments written by the script commissioners, like, Métis family arrived in, like, Red River carts. Really cool details that you normally, like, you won't find unless you're looking Mm -hmm. at the actual physical record rather than just a transcription of it. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, there's lots of interesting details you can get from them. In my head, that vision is just totally badass,
3: right? Like, rolling on up in the Métis card. You're like, yeah, I'm here. (laughs) Pay attention to me. I don't know why that image popped in my head, but it did. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. Okay. So if you could explain, I guess, the project that you're involved in, the illustration project, Mm -hmm. and how
1: you got started with that, and how that came about. So I'm currently illustrating a Machif language children's book with the Facts Saint-Jean with Professor Eva Lemaire. And it's really interesting. She actually came from Paris about 10 years ago. and When she came to Canada, she became absolutely fascinated with the Machif language because she had never heard of it. She was super fascinated that it mixes French and Cree together, and so she got really interested in language revitalization because she's an an education professor at the Fax Saint-Jean, and she has kids right now that are school age and they're starting to do immersion, and she was like, hmm, well, why don't we do like more immersion with aboriginal languages? And she actually took the initiative to start this project, and she wanted to hire all Métis students. So my friend Ripley, which I'm sure you guys know she uh oh, works Ripley. at Fax jean and I was like she offered drinks with her and she kept talking how she needed like an artist to do this book and I was like should I say I, sh- I can do it I don't know <laughs> and, and yeah. she was like once I, I I said oh I'll do it she was like oh my god I'm so sorry I totally forgot that you draw and like do all <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh I thought you were just like I don't
3: know <laughs> maybe she was just
1: you thought she was just dropping it. yeah, it was like, cool. yeah I maybe really I was like well <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, she ended up putting me in contact with Eva and I just went and showed Eva some of my work and she really liked it. So we started on this project. And so it's actually done in conjunction with an elder, Cecile Howard from lac saint anne which is like a Métis hub. And it's a story about her life growing up in the area and her catching like the last great fish of the lake. So it was recorded in Machif and then in French and then it was transcribed. For me in English, because sadly I can't speak Machiavell or French, <laughs> um, but I'm I'm trying to learn. Yeah, and then I kind of just broke it down into pages and started going from there. So, what was it like the process
0: of working with? the author. Did you collaborate a lot or did you not collaborate?
1: Yeah, so I actually haven't had the chance to meet Cecilia. yet. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to go meet her in January so I've kind of just been using Eva Lemaire kind of like as a liaison. So I've just seen videos of her speaking Michif um, and French. Kind of. I've been given like a book almost about her life. There's a book released on the Lac-Saint-Denis Métis settlement. Um, mm-hmm. She's like a pretty prominent person within it. So I've kind of just been studying her from afar at this point but um, she's really excited about the book she's really intrigued to use like, a story about her life and I think the story that she tells is a like, really pertinent to Métis communities in Alberta because she talks about the importance of community, the importance of water, um, the importance of her relationship to the land Mm -hmm. and it actually highlights a lot of ecological issues as well because the lake used to be full of fish but then with the onset of settlers it gets really depleted so the story Mm -hmm. is about her catching the last large fish, the last like northern pike I think it was, and they don't really exist within the lake anymore especially at that size so it's kinda like bittersweet story that she caught it. It's kind of the end of the plenty plentifulness? Yeah. Bountifulness. 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 Bountiful. I don't yeah. know. Come uh, Words Compotibleness. <laughs> Compotibleness. <laughs>
3: are not my friend to me. <laughs> Holy. <laughs> so you're meeting her in January? Yeah. <laughs> Are you nervous? Yeah, super (laughs) nervous. (laughs) 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 Elders are harsh.
1: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that is harsh. Mean Métis auntie is one thing, but mean Métis elder? Yeah, Yeah, mean (laughs) Métis elder. (laughs) Mm. Métis aunties (laughs) run from (laughs) Métis elders. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think she'll be like... I think she'll, like, be a very very nice, but like if she doesn't like something, I know she's gonna be like, why did you draw this? Or like, yeah. how does this symbolize my story? So I am like a little bit nervous. Mm-hmm. It's weird
3: that that's where my mind first went. Like, oh crap. Yeah, I, know. I would just be, ooh, an anxious
1: mess. Yeah.
3: <laughs> like crap when it yeah, hates me. Yeah,
1: for sure. Also the fact that I don't speak Machif, it's kind Like I know it's like pretty common for people not to speak it because of all the issues with colonialism, but like Mm -hmm. I'm also, is she gonna be like, why are you doing this? I don't know. So I am like a little bit nervous. But I actually Mm -hmm. did find out that my grandma, all she spoke was mid until she was eight. Oh, that's cool. But then she learned English and she was, it was so like detrimental for her to only speak mid during that time that she Mm -hmm. just never spoke it again. So she never taught like anyone in her family. So I I do feel like a connection to it for sure. And that's definitely a goal. Mm -hmm. Have you learned any machif words? A little bit. Okay, I have owls. At, <laughs> owls fly at night, or what was it called? Owls <laughs> see clearly at night. Owls see uh, clearly at night. It's, it's like, like a like machif children's something. alphabet book. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it was so adorable. It's like the buffalot or something for like buffalo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, oh, I, I am kind of trying. I definitely when when I get in connection with Cecile, I want her to make the title of the book and find a comprehensive machif word that kind of embodies the book. And I definitely want to like try. Yeah and like at least learn a few words that I can say to her. Mm-hmm. But Ripley also is doing a midshiff language course. She doesn't speak it fluently. There's programs right now in St. Albert to learn it. Oh cool. Wow. Yeah. wow. That's cool. Yeah, so I definitely wanna wanna try. Yeah, I yeah. only know
3: one word in midchief and that's the devil Mishiab.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Priorities. <laughs> I feel like I probably would butcher everything if I try to speak it, but I can recognize some words if it's printed out. If I saw the word for sash, I would be like, oh yeah, that's the word oh, for yeah. sash. okay, okay mm-hmm. Or like an owl, because I've seen it so much, I don't actually have that cognitive where I've heard somebody speak it, so I could put the word and the tones together yeah. and actually make some type of legible legible vocalization. Yeah. <laughs> but I can see it and be like, oh,
3: that's an owl if it's like written down, but I could mm-hmm. never...
0: The well, word. it's hard
3: too because the R's in French, when you pronounce an R in French, it's at the back of your throat. Like when you say carrot, carotte, it's at the back, right? But when you say Marcy... And midship it's at the front of your mm-hmm. mouth so it, it's very subtle differences mm. so it's hard you can't tell that
0: when you're reading it off mm, yeah. Other, yeah right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like a, i think the only solid word that i know is lejiab and that's because you say it enough
3: like yeah mm-hmm. there you see i'm gonna teach everyone about the devil it's perfect <laughs> perfect <laughs> it so <laughs> it's a, it a PhD title oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah so just stuff like
2: that but so how are you able or are you what is it like to like represent or even if that's what you're doing represent a language or a story within your illustrations
1: it's definitely challenging not being able to speak mcchif and um try <laughs> and trans i'm translating it from english into illustrations but i think it is missing a piece by me not being able to speak mcchif because there's so much embodiment within the language but yeah, right now I'm trying to use a lot of motifs and a lot of symbolism and trying to do, it is going to be a children's book so I want to try and do visual components that children can try and pull out themselves that kind of embody ecology, environment, family without like specifically just drawing like, family, so trying to do a lot of symbolism and I think that that kind of helps bridge the gap between me doing the English version rather than the MACHIF version, so trying to use visuals, I guess, mm-hmm. rather than just straight verbatim. That
3: so, makes sense to me. So it's like yeah. It's almost like an elder, when you hear a story from an elder, you have all of these different elements at play, right, and there's tons mm-hmm. of metaphors and symbolism in a story, mm-hmm. and you as the listener, it's your responsibility to pick out what it means to you and what makes it special and what you need to take from it. That's what it seems like you're doing, which is pretty rad. Like, that's a really interesting way to develop the storytelling.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Have you thought about it that way before? Um, like, no. we- well you said it much better than me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh my god, that's like
2: storytelling. That's so cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah, trying to bridge that gap between not knowing the language, but trying to like embody like the significance of it within like visuals. I think that that's what I'm trying to do really strongly within the illustrations. Cool.
2: I really like how you said you're translating from Machif to French and then the English into the story yeah it is like a language, right storytelling mm-hmm. visually, you know, like as we were talking, like use we get images in our minds when mm-hmm. we hear stories, or a lot of people do anyway I do mm-hmm. so I think that's really really powerful and really mm-hmm. interesting and yeah good oh, good
3: awesome. job bet <laughs> yeah. you. you win yeah. <laughs> So what kind of symbols? Can you give us an example of a symbol that you would use? Let me try to
1: think. Yeah, so there's this one page where she's talking about how important the lake is to life, how it's basically the basis of the ecosystem and without it nothing would survive. So I'm doing a lot of circular concepts because um, that's kind of shows life and death as well as synchronicity I guess. So I'm doing lots of circle imagery as well as lots of beading. Beading imagery. Yeah, and I have a large focus on the fish as a symbol, kind of as the transition between life and death because it begins with the fish and ends with the fish. As well I'm using the sun a lot. Within each page it transitions until the end when it sets. Mm -hmm. So yeah, a lot of focus on circular concepts. That's really
3: cool, actually. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> That's really smart. Yeah. Holy. So what kind of medium are you using? Are you doing a lot of stuff digitally? Or are you painting mm-hmm. or drawing?
1: So I sketched everything out first in pencil, and then I actually learned how to use a Wacom tablet and do Photoshop Illustrator. I was originally going to do stuff by hand because I was really anti-digital art before. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, it's not real. (laughs) It's all this fake art. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, oh, that's cheating. I don't know. It seemed like cheating to me. But then like I tried sketching it out with pencil. Cr- I don't know. It was just not working. So then my boyfriend actually he uses a Wacom a lot. He showed me. It's definitely an art form. I don't know why I was so against it before. I could have saved myself a lot of time and energy. So I'm really glad that I learned how to use it. So I actually brought it if you guys want to see it. So oh, nice. yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. I don't think I've
3: ever seen it.
1: No.
2: Yeah. I don't even know. I'm not even so, yeah, 100% like sure I
1: know what that is. <laughs> So it's just like a little tablet that you plug into your computer and it comes with a digital pen. And the pen is actually pressure sensitive. So if you press harder on here, it goes the streak will be more prominent on the screen. Oh. There's so many different settings. I don't know if you guys want to play with sure. it. Sure. <laughs> whoa yeah so that's what i've been using are you okay and if i take a yeah for sure photo for our website? yeah i know i also yeah i brought my i can show you some of too. yes please yes how much does something like this cost a hundred dollars that's whoa. it yeah <laughs> and then to get photoshop it's fourteen dollars a month as a student <laughs> yeah okay yeah fourteen dollars so, a month
3: yeah why am i paying so much bad. yeah well i got the whole adobe suite and it was 230 dollars. Oh. but i wanted audition
1: Oh. Wow. So here's the one page I was talking about where it's a circle with water and stuff. It, this is just a sketch. Wow. So then you, you upload these to the Photoshop and you have to do all this editing to it to make sure that you can actually draw on it. So this is her talking about the water. So in the center is mm. a beaded flower motif which I thought kind of symbolized her, her family. It's it just going outwards. These are cattle that she talks about. These are some plant life. And this is the fish that... Mm-hmm. So
3: yeah how are you gonna do the beading i don't
1: know yet future them, problem <laughs> well just very painstakingly do like little dots
3: oh
0: my like, oh, like, wow. no. <laughs> i don't have patience for anything
1: like that yeah they
0: go little and then turn into big splotches
2: <laughs> and be like mm-hmm. oh i gotta finish this faster yeah just beading
1: yeah like how it is wow it's been really interesting i'm learning i'm learning like a lot mm-hmm. i honestly did not feel very if I had to do it at first, because I was like, well, I'm not a professional illustrator. I just do it for a hobby, drawing and stuff. But yeah, I feel a lot more competent now. <laughs> and like yeah, you can do oh, it.
3: Yeah, it's all a part of the hustle. Hey, you don't yeah. know that you can do it until Clearly. you're like, yeah, sure, and then you're like, oh wait, why did I agree to do this? And then you yeah. have to do it. Okay,
1: yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's been really
3: interesting. Can we rewind for a second? So Gabrielle, I know that you are incredibly talented. I've seen lots of your Aww. stuff. Where, I guess, where did your interest in drawing kind of come from, and how did you learn how to draw? Uh, YouTube tutorials? <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> that little thing where it's like learn how to
0: draw a <laughs> and yeah. like and
3: let's put together. What? Do you remember those books from when we were kids, like how to draw a cartoon character? Yeah, yes. and then you like go step by step. Mm-hmm. And it never looks like that. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, why yeah. do I
1: suck? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it that? <laughs> 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 you do a better job than us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I did do a better job. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know where trying drawing started. I guess I just always really liked it. Just like, I started when I was really young. And my parents put me in some art courses, but I mainly like, self-taught. Um, so it's just like lots of sketching, just trying out different mediums. I'm definitely like, I wouldn't consider myself a fine artist or anything. I think I would need a lot more hours and a lot more experience working with different mediums. I kind of just play around and do it for fun, but I was trying to get like, a portfolio together for the fine arts program, mm-hmm. but I just, I kind of gave up on that. Mm-hmm. It was like, it was so intense. I took the fine arts one-on-one in like the design class and it was amazing. I learned a lot, but like I was doing those two classes I was so done and I felt it was like really draining me of like, all my creativity to like mm-hmm. a point where it just Didn't seem like that's what I want to do for like a living. It was like yeah. wow I just want to do this like as a hobby and just like maintain like artistic ownership, I guess mm-hmm.
3: um, Actually, I started out with a fine arts Did you degree. really? Yeah. You um, specializing in? A sculpture. Oh, that's so cool. So I did sculpture and I did lots of plaster work and lots of clay work. But I think you're right. I, something about it and something about doing something for grades and something for a professor yeah. and being graded on it, mm-hmm. it just kind of takes mm-hmm. away from that creativity side yeah. of it. And I found that I ended up doing most of my projects despite my professor, which <laughs> probably mm-hmm. wasn't what you're supposed to be doing. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, I can see that taking joy out of it, right? Unless you have a professor that's, like... So super open to like your creativity and
0: learns your style. Cause yeah. I took that erotica class that had like, an art component to it and pretty much it was like anything flies with mm-hmm. Tracy Bear because she's so awesome. It got to the point where I literally handed in a painting and was like, Tracy guess what part of my body I painted this <laughs> with?" And, like, that, and she was like, Did she, Really?
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay. yeah. That's hilarious. Well, it was for, like, uh, Indigenous erotica, which was all about, you know, decolonizing yeah. our sexuality. And then we had, like, an art component to talk about trauma and, like, sexual trauma and the way that we perceive gender in, like, a settler state. And then it just got it to this weird point where I was just doing random crap for her. Like, making balloon animals out of condoms. Like, that is something I handed in, and she was like, keep going, this is great! And I think, yeah, one of the ones I was like, guess which part of my body I painted this with. But it's because she fostered that, like, creativity and was like, yeah do what you want to do, do what you love, just as long as you're actually handing something in, but, like, it wasn't for a fine arts course, it was for a Native Studies class, Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. yeah. There's a bit of a difference, but, Mm -hmm. yeah.
3: Yeah, I think that's the difference between mentorship and dictatorship, right? Yeah. (laughs) Well, maybe
2: I shouldn't, like, see dictatorship.
3: Maybe that's a little strong. But, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like, some professors are like, it's my way or the highway, you have to do it this way, and this is what, these are the learning outcomes, you have to do it, but... I don't know my my brain has never thought that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. I've always been against the grain in that sense, so I don't know. I think that people need to have that ability to express themselves in any way that they feel like it's necessary, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, right and there's something to be said about making what's a hobby into a career, then you don't necessarily have the same relationship to yeah whether. definitely. Yeah, mm-hmm. like fun fact about me, I dropped out of fashion school in oh, Vancouver. Okay. Yeah, like yeah, that's true. So yeah, yeah, I know right? you, wouldn't, also- whoa, you wouldn't know. <laughs> Kayla, did you drop
0: out of some kind of fine arts program? I do have a red seal in hairdressing. Oh. I wasn't like a colorist for years. Yeah,
2: yeah, a yeah. little mean,
0: art drop. <laughs> <Yeah>. I, mean- <laughs> I have done art before. Like I have some of my own paintings up in my house, but mm-hmm. I don't consider myself an artist because it's just something that. I was doing for like fun.
2: Yeah yeah. 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 Exactly. When you have to do it for money or you have to do it not being debt or whatever, mm-hmm. like or you're going into debt because of it, it takes away some of it. I mean I know you can't tell because I'm wearing clashing pajamas. <laughs> but yeah like sewing and like they don't need to know. Yeah. Thank oh, hey, goodness this is a don't podcast. count. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming to my house. Yeah. <laughs> pajamas don't count. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like it definitely does change, and I think it's a really important lesson that I learned for sure to keep hobbies as hobbies, mm-hmm. and then so you have a place mm-hmm. to like express stuff and like express whatever you need to. Cool. Yeah, yeah. It was
1: a. <laughs> it seems like a hard school to get into. In Vancouver, uh, especially. Was it Blanche McDonald? Yes, it was.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I they like, also do like makeup and hair design okay, and yeah. like yeah, my friend went through the makeup
2: program there. Yeah, yeah they're they well known for their makeup program. Anyway, this is not an ad for Blanche <laughs> No, not no I not. dropped out. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, don't get it twisted. I was not happy. But I did learn a lot about myself.
0: Yeah, and sometimes that's the biggest thing yeah. is you learn
2: about yourself when doing yeah. when doing
3: something. Yeah, it's the cheesy stuff. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. 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 So,
3: so now that we've gone totally doom and gloom with this conversation <laughs> <laughs> so I know that you're still working on this project Gabrielle. Mm-hmm. but would you ever want to do other
1: illustrations for different books
3: yeah. is the door open for that yeah. or is it
1: totally closed I would love to actually I definitely love doing it I think it's really great use of my mind. Like I really like taking (laughs) abstract concepts and try to make them into visuals. Like I really, really wanted to be a marketing designer. I don't know if it's the right term, but I really wanted to do people's emblems and like ads. Mm -hmm. So I feel like this is kind of like similar. Like I really like it when people give me something that's not super verbatim and then I get to try and take that and make it into what I want. I love doing children's books and like thinking about how kids would like react to the pages and like what's the best way to communicate with them but also in a way that's visually appealing to adults and also you Mm -hmm. know something that kind of like transitions Mm -hmm. demographics Mm -hmm. so yeah i would love to i think i'm probably going to try and start doing stuff with my boyfriend we're going to try and start doing stuff for like cjsr because they're looking for people to do their advertisements oh sweet nice yeah so so it doesn't pay though so Uh, sometimes best jobs don't I know, I know. There's like
0: no, so
3: much less pressure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then you have a little bit more freedom sometimes too. Mm -hmm. Sometimes. So your book, the book has not yet been published, but it soon will be.
1: Yeah. So right now we're thinking we're going to do the self-publishing route and do trial runs Mm -hmm. with an ebook copy. And I think we're going to use blurb Software. I don't know if you guys have heard of that, but... I haven't, tell me more! They're they're really great. So they're really known for their printing, because you can do one copy or you can do like a thousand copies, rather than having to do... Most self-publishing routes will make you do like 20 or something. Mm -hmm. And they're really known for like having high definition color. Pages, so lots of photo books, and lots of like, actually like fashion books. Oh, um, oh nice. For people like trying to do start their own or doing stuff for like Pixar for like really fast print off things. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I did like an assignment on them and I ended up really liking them. They also have a free like hosting page where you can sell your book in like their shop for free. Oh, that's, that's really cool.
0: Yeah. 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 So I don't I Tony, you probably have the most experience in publishing, but when it comes to actually like the publishing process, if you're going through like, a publishing company, I know a lot of times the company can have kind of like control over the content and yesterday we were talking about titles or the other day we were talking about titles being able to be changed. Mm-hmm. Can they change illustrations or is that something that isn't Ooh. normally that they do? They don't Not say that.
3: like they don't like this or take something out or add something? From my understanding, no. Okay. But I the publishing experience that I have is more for nonfiction adults, uh, scholarly stuff. Oh, okay. In terms of imagery, I, I guess I could pull I've done lots of research on translation and translating of children's books and translating graphic novels and comics and changing the image is a huge no-no. Oh, okay like You cannot change the image. So if you if your book were to be translated in <laughs> all these other different languages, they actually aren't allowed to change that image, okay, or oh, it's right. like against the I don't know code of ethics if that's yeah. a thing. But yeah, there's lots of studies saying that you can't do that. So who knows? Who knows for sure? But that's my instinct. Is no way they can't touch that image.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: That's perfect. You're forever in like <laughs> paper. Yeah. Okay. There you go. I do have a question about the ebook. I'm just wondering why is their decision? Was it based on cost to do
1: the ebook launch first? Mm, I think that that right now seems like the easiest method but now that I'm thinking about it like I guess there wouldn't be like that much difference this is kind of what Eva wants to do um, yeah. so I'm kind of letting her have control over that but I think yeah maybe having a physical copy would be much more transitional for like especially children um, mm-hmm. having physical copies of stuff usually is better mm-hmm. but yeah now that I you said it, that I don't yeah. think it's that hard to print it
3: I think it depends on the audience and what you want to do with it because there's yeah. different there's different apps and things like that, and depending on what you do with the story, if you are going to have an ebook, there's different ways that you can actually animate the image. Oh. So that actually might be a really interesting way to kind of get kids would, like, more interested. Yeah, you can move yeah. it. So you had your circular image, and you can kind of make movement out of it. I've seen oh, different I'm books of that. Just, yeah. yeah, have you not seen that before? No. Yeah, Kayla's mouth is just wide <laughs> open like, what? You can I do love- all
0: things that move. I'm like, yeah. I am such like a visual oh. person. Like, I am that librarian that hates reading because I'm like, make it do something. <laughs> like, make the page <laughs> move. Yeah. I'm
3: like, that sounds yeah. awesome. Well, there's actually one book. I forget the children's book title for some stupid reason, but it's about, it's a book about books, really. And in the online, the e-version, there is like books flying out at you and you can kind of like uh, move the iPad around and explore uh, the actual world. So you have like this three-dimensional view. I've seen something kind of like this, but it's not necessarily for books. It's Mm -hmm. for historic sites where you can take like an iPad and
0: if there's like pictographs or like petroglyphs Mm -hmm. or whatever they're called Mm -hmm. and they will like come off the rock and like move and then like a story will tell
3: yeah so it's similar it's similar to that what i've seen i for the life of me i can't think of what the software is called but i mean that's really cool and it's really great but then Mm -hmm. you have to kind of have that balance in your own head of like okay is this more about the gimmick now or is it about Mm, the story because doing something like that is pretty gimmicky so I guess it really depends on what you want to do. And the reason I bring it up is because I obviously I have two kids at home who love yeah, playing with um, the iPad, but mm-hmm. in terms of iPad versus physical book, they'll go for the physical book mm-hmm. nine times out of ten. Mm-hmm. Although that, I don't know, I, I guess I'm divided on it. I'm divided because I've also seen... Working at a public library because we always do the big public library programs, story time, whatever. Mm-hmm. So we've done, or I've done, programs where you have the ebook uh. and you connect your you connect your iPad up to the screen, and then you can do storytelling that way through a projector mm-hmm. and just filter through. So there's ways to work with it. Yeah, wow. it just doesn't it matter. It's, I guess like yeah, there's all yeah. the different ways of how to present the story. I but. actually never even
1: thought of any of that stuff, so thank you so much for
3: letting <laughs> me know
1: about that. Um, I'm all like, kids stories, yeah! Yeah. Like, we're going to be releasing the beta version, so we're kind of just trying to have it done by January 15th. From there, then mm-hmm. we can add a bunch of components and do physical copies, and I love your idea of having like the moving concepts yeah I, from, like, know, from, like, I don't know yeah especially from someone who has kids <laughs> yeah mm-hmm.
3: you yeah, us yeah, so bananas from coming from like, a place where your art was always like, something that you
0: did for yourself or like a hobby what's it like having deadlines on your art <laughs> i know that's totally like a loaded question <laughs> yeah. but in my yeah. head i'm like oh i would hate having like a deadline
1: especially around christmas you're like oh crap Honestly in a way it's good because I start so many art projects and then just abandon them for like literally years <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> then I'm like oh yeah. So it is beneficial that like I actually get stuff done. And I can be like a really big perfectionist sometimes to the point where it's like, really detrimental and it doesn't even make any sense anymore to be focusing on like this little square inch of a page. And so it's good for me to just like actually just do it and have it done and then I can always go back and work on it later. So it's been really beneficial in that way. But yeah, it has been like, very nerve wracking and you can't force the creative process sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You can. It's
3: called drugs. <laughs>
1: Drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Interesting. drugs. Interesting. Your creative juices flowing. <laughs>
3: uh, it's probably inappropriate for this podcast. <laughs> oh, I feel like some
1: the of the things <laughs> <laughs> we say
3: kind of inappropriate for
0: our podcast. <laughs> you did mention your boyfriend is mm-hmm. also an artist. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about collaborating with mm-hmm. another
1: artist, doing illustrations for books, or? Yeah, I would love to collaborate with artists. Uh, with Eric, the framing problem on Instagram is great. We have like really different styles too, because he does strictly like highly detailed pen and ink, and sometimes a little bit of gouache. And he doesn't really do color; it's mostly black and white. And I, on the other hand, like like doing lots of color, and mm-hmm. I don't like doing super detailed work because I'm lazy when it comes to that. <laughs> it takes forever, and I don't find it that rewarding. Well, I guess it is really rewarding again, but. Anyways, I like, got to do like more faster sketches and more like splashes of color. So it's they're really opposite so I'd really like to mix them together. Mm-hmm. We're actually gonna collaborate on painting the wall in his apartment though. Oh! Sweet. Awesome. <laughs> Which we will have to paint over when he leaves. Oh. I think <laughs> so you can take pictures of it. Yeah. So. Yeah, that'll be awesome.
3: Mm-hmm. So you were saying that you love splashes of color. Yeah. So do I. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Unless it's clothing for some weird reason, but how much do you think
1: your Métis heritage? Mm-hmm. has inspired your artwork, if at all. Yeah, so I think it really has, in a lot of ways that subtle, like if, unless I think about it I won't really realize, <laughs> but I definitely like notice a pattern with Aboriginal people having more, I would say a little bit more like flashy style and stuff, like especially when I go to like faculty of Native Studies, I'm like everyone here dresses so well and they're like also like, <laughs> I think it really stems from the historical regalia, I don't know if that's the right term. But Métis people have always incorporated like, lots of design, lots of color, lots of beading into like everyday life, and I think that that's just like really ingrained, and it definitely comes out of my art a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm definitely trying to learn more about, I guess, beading the beading process, traditional Métis art. Yeah, I definitely see it, but like unless I think about it, like I'm just kind of the way I am. But yeah, yeah it definitely stems mm-hmm. from that, I think sweet. What's your favorite color Oh, okay, it's orange. Oh. Orange is my favorite color, but like a sunset orange. Not like an oh. obnoxious... Oh. Oh. Not oh, like I an obnoxious God. orange. I orange. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I like yeah, so I love, I look Like a
0: tangerine. Oh, nice. I feel like that also like suits your personality. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Like well,
1: I went and got my cards read not too long ago, and she told me that my aura was a shimmering orange, and I was like, oh, oh,
2: I like
3: wow. that. I like
1: that too. She I want a, a shimmering, shimmering orange aura.
3: <laughs> What's your favorite color? Yeah, talking? what do you guys' favorite? Mine blue. Are, okay, I like blue, but like a greeny blue, like a mm. teal kind of. Yes, turquoise mm. esque.
2: Times too. I've always gravitated towards turquoise. As very young, I didn't really realize that it was a native <laughs> quote-unquote color yeah, until sure. much, much later. I was like, oh, w- weird. That's <laughs> well, it's the
3: color of the sea. It's yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. That's the color that I associate with the ocean. You look like ocean. Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Prairie girl. I am a prairie girl. I'm like, Ew, like oh, the ocean. I am too, but I grew up by the it beach. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Winnipeg beach. Winnipeg a Beach? St. Ambrose Beach. Okay.
1: Did you yeah. ever go to Stonewall? Probably. Okay. I can I was there a lot, like maybe. we could
3: oh, Probably. Course. Maybe Gabrielle. We like wave at each other. Hey, let's
0: we'll see each other in years. What's your favorite color, Kayla? Mine is green. Like a okay. dark green, like forest green. Yeah, I'm totally dig the like olive, like camel green. Mm -hmm. Green is my favorite color. Cool. My least favorite color is red. Oh, I hate red too. Yeah, I cannot handle it. I get anxiety attack. I don't like
1: red either.
3: I can't do red or yellow. I can't do the warm colors. The warm colors I just hate. Yeah. 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 Huh.
0: On a good day, maybe like. (laughs) Sometimes I get into the pink. It's no, yes. like a weird thing for me because I'm always in black and I'm like, mm. but I did the <laughs> pink sometimes. Mm-hmm. And although my hair is yellow right now, I'm like, I don't like yellow, but
3: here we go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On the one side. Oh. But cool. yeah, I think that's interesting though that you brought up the beading. I've just started hearing stories about beadwork and the buffalo hunt. Did you do you know about what they do to punish <laughs> punish people or what they did during the fur trade? Well, they cut their saddles on their horses. Yeah, so I think I can't remember the exact story but there's a process of if you steal something from this person then you get this punishment this punishment this punishment and you have a certain amount of strikes Mm. but one of the punishments is is that you get your beading ripped off
2: oh wow (gasps) yeah so i know (laughs) so you get your
3: beadwork ripped off so there's a bunch of archaeologists they find like just random piles of beads it's like yep
1: someone was shamed here right so interesting i know but it's so linked to us yeah I like that punishment. It's not violent per se, but it's definitely like an infliction on yourself.
0: Yeah, but no. it's like f you. What if I, I put know. all this <laughs> effort into this. Yeah, it's okay. Also, I feel like it probably was not the women cutting the beadwork off, but mm-hmm. if it's a- the guys that are wearing the beadwork on their jacket and they're the one that messed up and that beadwork's <gasps> been cut yeah. off, that poor woman that spent all those hours beating that vest just to have some. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure he's paying for it even Yeah, party Yeah. Party yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, Eric, if Eric came home and was like, somebody cut the beadwork off my moccasins, I'd be like, what did you do? Where yeah. is this person? Yeah, like, what for is their sure. name? What yeah. did you, you see, do? Yeah. Maybe that's when the actual punishment comes yeah. from. Oh God, <laughs> this is like <laughs> me and Métis aunties were like, I can't believe that would happen. How yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Don't> dare
2: they? <laughs> because it's something, it's something that you would literally where in the community, too, everyone would yeah. know, Yeah. Right? like, oh, you did this, yeah, so not only would cheap. you hear from your partner, but everyone else, too, mm-hmm. right? They're all
3: whispering in front of your
0: face. Yeah, that's everyone
2: so knows, yeah. yeah.
0: So, recently, I saw that you did an art space research project. Mm-hmm. How was that? Mm-hmm. Or what did that entail? I saw yeah. some photos of yeah. it,
1: but... That was a really great class. So we had to do an arts-based autoethnography, mm-hmm. which is, so an autoethnography is kind of, this is my, my interpretation from the class. You analyze an aspect of your life and relate it to larger themes within the world. So I ended up doing something called grief weaving, and I kind of looked at how my father passed away and how it brought on anxiety but cultural loss and how that kind of relates to Métis and Aboriginal persons on a larger scale that there's lots of anxiety about cultural loss because traditional way of life has been taken away quite a bit. I mean people still maintain it and are trying to revitalize it. So I ended up using my Métis sash and I cut it up. I don't know if that's blasphemous but like I I cut it up because I was, you know, kind of representing how I feels like really jagged now. My sense of self. Then I ended up like weaving it into like all my old artwork once again artwork that I've been sitting there for years and I was like I am going to repurpose this so I did that and like I kind of tried to convey like a sense of fragmentation after my dad's death but then also a sense of weaving myself back together and then like I really focused on the Métis Sash because I feel like in addition to losing him there's been a strain on me going to see my family on that side because Mm -hmm. it's far away for me to go. That was like a link to like he just had lots of stories about our family just also like in a weird sense I feel like he verified me and being Native, because he looked really Native. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just feel like on top of his death, I felt um, really anxious that I'm, I'm not Métis enough anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of what that project looked like. And through it, I did learn that I need to take more initiative to be learning the shift, to, like, be taking beating because I can't just expect my dad to be bringing, like, these opportunities to me anymore. I have to, like, kind of go out and do it myself. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think
2: that's
0: something with all of us is we're kind of that generation mm-hmm. where we're just getting out there and like doing it ourselves especially if I don't know like we've talked about this with other guests about like a loss of community and like mm-hmm.
1: having to get out there and actually like yeah. just do it mm-hmm. yeah yeah because you don't have people coming to you anymore and like you don't have really I don't want to say you don't have a community people live urban lives now and there's mm-hmm. like a lot of overlapping with identities so yeah we're still so taking our own initiative now it's even kind of sad.
3: Yeah, it's even trauma too, right? Because yeah. like I don't know, a lot of the stuff for us aren't getting passed down because it's traumatic. Oh no, for sure. Right? Like, oof. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, there's a lot of things there, and then yeah, people. Sometimes people like make comments like, "Oh, but you don't look matey, or like, "Oh, you don't beat," or you. And I'm like, well, you know, my grandma did speak machif. She mm-hmm. did beat. She blah, blah blah did all this, but then mm-hmm. it just like abruptly yeah. ended at a certain mm-hmm. age, and like it was never passed on. So,
3: Besides, yeah. like, how do they know what a beauty person I know, looks like? I'm like? Screw you. <laughs> we all look very different here. Like. Yeah. <laughs> and also, people have their own interests
0: too. I am a horrible beater. Yeah. I've tried, and that will never come natural to me. There, yeah. Whereas, like, yeah, my great grandma and my mom and grandma are all amazing beaters, basket weavers, knitters, all that crap. And I have none. The only thing I can do is cook. That's about the yeah, only thing that, that was passed down. Really? Yeah, but that's the only thing. Like, that's the only thing out of those, like, Métis jeans that got yeah. passed down was the fact that I can slap some great bannock.
2: Like, mm-hmm. that's about it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. as far as we go. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Well, and there's less pressure, you know, for other aspects. You don't, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of, like, pressure. Or there can be a lot of pressure, mm-hmm. at least, anyway. Mm-hmm being enough. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's something a lot of people have felt and feel. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's those weird identity politics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At least
0: y'all have like your last names. I got married and did the dumb thing of taking my husband's last name so I'm like white passing but my last name's also Larson so like that creates like a lot of issues when people are like who is this Larson, Métis Larson? (laughs) It's like well I am also married and I did take his name but then that just like adds like another layer to that like not being enough. Yeah. Yeah so but if I kept my maiden name and his name that'd be way too many hyphens. That'd Mm -hmm. be like multiple hyphens in one name so. Hyphen city. Hyphen city. That'd be like three hyphens.
3: Mm. Yeah. Because he spelled it weird, so. <laughs> we got real deep there. We did. Totally.
0: We, got, we get deep in everyone. We always are like, deep. we hit that high point where like, you know, talking about colors, but then it's like, it immediately crashes. And we're like, doom and gloom. Oh, yeah. Like, we're going to have to get some type of like voice thing that's like when we're talking about doom and gloom that we like insert. Voice over like, doom and gloom. <laughs> <laughs> and, it you one, and it is really good, sure, sure.
1: Oh <laughs> why not, why not. It's because okay. okay. so... all this voice just doom and gloom over yeah. and over. <laughs> That's hilarious. Or it could be like a, a thunder. Yeah, like, thunder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like, yes. just like ghost music. <laughs> like, a creaky haunted house.
3: Door. Yeah. Okay, so my my vision of it was okay. You know that episode in Rick and Morty when the big heads are like, "Show me what you oh, got." Oh yeah, my yeah. that's that's how it would sound. For two like, minutes. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doom and gloom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See. Yeah. So I guess we have we have time for one more question. Actually, I'm gonna throw in two questions. Oh, okay. Number one for you, Grab Gabrielle. Once you have your book kind of all set up, would we be able to promote it on mm-hmm. our website? I would absolutely love that. For, for sure, sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. that was a quick and
3: easy one. <laughs> <laughs> you no. definitely like,
0: feel free to send us some like photos
1: of your artwork mm-hmm. and of yeah. uh, your boyfriend's too. And we oh can definitely God. put it up. For sure. I know that you were talking to museum Heritage when you were there, and they said that yeah. they were interested in it as well. Yeah. Yeah, um, oh, and shift yeah. Cultural Connections. Yeah, there's so many great people that want to promote it, so looking forward to it. Yeah, cause cause a little roving display, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Traveling Library. Traveling Library. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bush Library.
3: <laughs> Bush librarianship, yeah, I'm all Ooh, about that life. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, one more question. Okay for you, Gabrielle, and this is a question that we ask all of our guests. So this is a podcast that's for people who are interested in editing, publishing, and writing, Mm -hmm. and illustrating, because there's all different types of sharing your work and promoting your knowledge. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: What advice would you give to anyone who, or any indigenous person who would be interested in illustrating for a children's book?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, definitely collaborate with people around Mm -hmm. you play off each other's strengths. I'm sure like there's probably someone who's great at writing if you're great at illustrating or someone who's great at public relations to promote your book. Don't think about starting Well, I guess think about going big Uh, you know, start at the ground level. There's lots of routes now for people to go with self-publishing and with like networking through the internet. I think that there's lots of opportunities, especially in like indigenous novel or like children's book field. I think it's a really burgeoning scene and really growing. So yeah, definitely like talk to your classmates or talk to your coworkers and like get ideas down on paper and just, just like start. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just start. (laughs) Just Just start. mm -hmm. (laughs) It's never going to be like a perfect time. Just start. There's never a perfect time for anything.
0: No, right?
3: Nope. So that's I think that's real true. solid. Real mm-hmm. solid advice. Do you two have any other questions before we no. wrap her up? I think I'm good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Yeah.
3: Thanks
1: for coming yeah. on down. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. All right. Until next time.